It's the Skinny Podcast, only on Local12.com. Now, here's Richard Skinner. Welcome into the Skinny Podcast. It's the weekly potpourri edition. I'm Richard Skinner, Local12.com digital sports columnist and editor with Rick Broering. As always, it's presented by Ryan Kiefer of First Community Mortgage. We creep up on the Super Bowl, which comes up on Sunday. We are literally this Sunday, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, it's not only the Super Bowl, Rick, but I believe it's a month to selection Sunday uh, for the NCAA tournament. So we got a lot of college basketball to discuss. Reds pitchers and catchers report next week. Enough about that. Start the podcast. <laughs> That's so accurate. Uh, uh, they, they, did, they did trade for some cat from the Guardians I never heard of. We had a buck eighty last year. I, I I know. I, I I had that on my sheet for a second of like, sure. oh, I should bring that up. And then I was like, I'm not talking about a guy who had under two hundred. Like, no. what what is there to say about that guy? I did see, and I, here we go. We, we we started off track already. And it's all my fault. <laughs> I did see see Trent Rosecrans in the Athletic. Uh, did a roster Reds roster projection heading into spring training. And I just looked and went, Ooh, that's really bad. Ooh. Yeah. Also, if you need any more Reds news, TJ Antone is out indefinitely. Right. And that was going to be so. maybe a slight strength of this team is the back end of the bullpen. Yeah. So much for, I mean, but what do you need a back end of a bullpen for when you've got a team like this, that'll never be ahead. So that is a legit point. All right, let's get into some real sports talk uh, this Sunday. Super Bowl 57 will be played between the Kansas city chiefs and the Philadelphia Eagles. Only the 13th time that the top seed in each conference has made it to the Super Bowl for a one seed versus one seed matchup, Skinny, which I found hard to believe. Yeah, they've been seen since 1975. Right. I I do, too, actually, because, um, you know, it feels like home field advantage does mean a lot. But I think it also shows you that once you do get to the playoffs, literally anything can happen. Because I the one thing I think about the NFL playoffs, you occasionally get a Tampa Bay, not sub 500, but a, a substandard division winner occasionally. But for the most part, the teams that make the playoffs are all pretty damn good. And that's where I think that that does a little evening out process from a home field advantage standpoint. Yeah, definitely. We've got some actual Super Bowl game storylines to talk to a little bit. But first, let's get to a few Bengals things that popped up this week. The first Bengals wide receiver Jamar Chase appeared on Super Bowl Live and commented on Joe Burrow's upcoming contract extension, saying, quote, I don't think Joe's really too worried about how much money he's going to make because he's already making a tremendous amount. I think Joe knows what he wants and how he wants to set up his contract to keep some of his weapons around him. And I think that's the biggest part for him. Bengals fans obviously loved hearing that. How much of that do you think is realistic? I do think it's realistic. And I've I've thought that for a while. It's still the thing is, it's still going to be a pretty penny and it's still going to cost some 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 roster machinations when all is said and concerned. But I do think. Listen, everybody wants what they feel they're worth, right? And there's some ego involved. I just, for this guy, I don't know if the ego is such that says I have to be paid the most guaranteed money and I have to be paid the most money of anybody. And he still might get that. But I also think he wants to win games and he's not stupid enough to realize the more weapons I have, the more games I have a chance to win and how many hundreds of millions of dollars can a kid from Athens, Ohio have, right? Um, so I, I do think there's truth to that. And he and Jamar are close. And I, I, I do believe that. Listen, he's not taking the family discount. Um, this is going to be in the um, six figures, the high or actually, yeah, the, the actually the nine figures, excuse me, not six figures in nine figures. Um, so so steal yourself for that. And it's going to cost them probably a player or two. But I do think they will find a way to keep most of the main weapons around. And I did a piece kind of on this. I didn't get into the numbers because I, I think anybody throwing numbers out at the moment is just guessing. But I did list a couple of players that, that could be cap casualties because of it. And honestly, you know, I, I've listed five guys. And really, I think there's only two that are potential realistic cap casualties. One is Joe Mixon. I like Joe Mixon, but are you really going to miss him all that much? The other is Tyler Boyd, who's coming off his least productive year in five or six years, is getting up there for a wide receiver. And maybe it's time to turn the page anyway there. So and, and maybe neither one. Maybe they find a way to keep them both at least for one more year before the roster, before the all the, the big money kicks in. But I do believe what Jamar Chase says. I, I believe that. It seems obvious that Joe Burrow is going to make about as much money as any player has ever made when they do his new deal. But this is more about how the the money is deferred and right. the bonuses are deferred, correct? I mean, that's what well, we're talking how much about you can, here. Yeah, how much you can spread it out, um, you know, for, for the, the, the bonus, how much of it's guaranteed, how much of it's up front. How much of it when you hear numbers and I always tell people when you hear contract numbers, people got alarmed years ago about the Bobby Hart contract. I actually wrote a column saying don't be completely alarmed by it. A, they actually needed him at the time. And and B, a big chunk of his money was in the third year of the contract, which they could get out from under, save this on the cap. And it's not as big as it is. It looks. So you see these numbers sometimes. 
and you go, wow. And some of it is wow. But then you start to look at the structure of it. And by year seven, eight or nine or 10 or however deep we go, a lot of it is a a a, a non-guaranteed portion of the contract. And I do think that the, some of that's going to come in. I don't think he's getting a fully guaranteed contract. The Bengals just don't play that game. So from that storyline to the exact opposite of it, which is NFL writer Peter King getting Bengals fans all worked up this week when he said that the Bengals, quote, might not have a lot of great choices when it comes to re-signing T. Higgins. Do the money Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase will command? What do you make of Peter King's comments? Do you think that T. Higgins is going to be one of the casualties as a result of this contract? I think the potential exists because he's going to he's in the year four of his contract next year. That's the last year of his rookie contract. We got into the Jesse Bates area with this, where Jesse thought he was going to get extended after year three into year four, did not. Um, then the Bengals franchise tagged him, and, and the year that he kind of was in limbo, he admitted at least halfway through that year, which was last year, of he wasn't right mentally. Um, you know, maybe was making some business decisions, and then just said the heck with it, and went and balled out the last half of the year, including the postseason. Then I think you know he, he sat out because of the franchise tag really the only leverage he had, but he was always going to sign that. And I said that all summer long when people were freaking out and he obviously did and he had a good season and now he goes off to free agency. I think that potential exists that if you go into year five with T and you franchise tag him and he is adamant that he's not going to do the tag at that point, you can, you know, it's the old tag and trade possibility, but I, I don't, it's not going to happen in 2023 this coming season because they still have very much most of the band back together to try to make a Super Bowl run at this. It felt like, I don't know, not too long ago, and I'm mostly just taking this from things that you or other covering the team have have said, maybe even Dana and Jay on their podcast. Um, but it seemed like for a while there was a sentiment that Tyler Boyd probably wouldn't be able to be re-signed, but they were going to find a way to get both Chase and Higgins to go along with Burrow. Has that seemed to fade a little bit or was that never accurate in your opinion or is that still a legit possibility? No, I, I think it is a still a legit possibility. I, I think some of it, too, comes down to I'm going to guess T believes he's a number one. Right. And if a team's willing to give him number one money somewhere um, at that point, that's where he says, thanks, but no thanks. I, I'll play on the franchise tag or I'll, I'll pout on the franchise tag. And um, at that point, the Bengals have to make the decision on am I going to get a T Higgins making business decisions under the franchise tag? Or am I going to get T Higgins playing as, as well as he can play to prove himself? It is such a fine area now in the NFL, man, because – Again, you're a catastrophic injury away from never getting that life-changing contract. And I fully understand it, but I also fully understand this was all collectively bargained and the franchise tag was collectively bargained. And so teams can use it at their discretion. And that's what they do. That's what they did with Jesse. I thought they played the Jesse Bates thing perfectly. And we're going to probably get in that territory for T Higgins. But if T wants true number one money and you go, sorry, man, we think you're a one a, but you know, we're not paying you what we're paying Jamar. Um, Kind of that was the situation with Marvin Jones a few years ago where Marvin Jones thought he was should be paid number one money. He got that from Detroit. Ended up, honestly, his career kind of dissolved. He's still in the league, but, I mean, he never became a number one. He got his number one money. Good for him. The Bengals weren't willing to pay it and moved on from him. And I think that's I, that's where the league is, man. You That's why for a lot of this stuff, you got to make hay with the, the first four or five years of guys, and then and you got to make business decisions. Both, both sides make business decisions. So I don't think it's changed other than, I understand if T thinks he needs number one money or wants number one money and the Bengals say, no, we're going to give you slightly below that. And that's where we get to the impasse portion of the program. Then you got to decide, can we get something back in return and trade? Um, and that's where I do think this year, I think the Bengals go draft a wide receiver in all likelihood to replace Tyler Boyd either this year coming up or in, in 2024 for sure. Do you think T is one of those guys who can go on his own and be a number one, or is he like Marvin Jones, where if he goes and, and tries to take on that role for a lesser team and a lesser quarterback, he's going to be exposed that, you know what, you were really great as the sidekick to Jamar Chase when you had jo Joe Burrow throwing to you. Yeah, I never thought, it's funny, I, I guess I'm in the minority with Marvin Jones. I never thought Marvin Jones was a great player here. I thought he was yeah. pretty good. He was always obviously a, a second tier receiver Correct. at best. Yeah, I, I think T is, is in between what you just brought up, Rick. I think he's certainly far better than Marvin Jones ever was. Um, and I just don't put him in the stratosphere of the top, you know, wide receivers in the game. And I, I, I think... I think his numbers reflect that. Some of that is because, you know, when Jamar Chase is healthy, he is target number one. Um, but do I ever think T. Higgins is going to go somewhere and catch 90 balls for 1,500? I just don't.
Yeah, that, that's the thing about it for me is I just don't know if the consistency is there. What he does, he does in an elite level, and he can make you plays that you're going, damn, that's that's what a number one receiver is capable of doing. The way he can go and catch contested balls and high point and all that type of stuff. In the red zone, he can be a, a very effective target. But I don't know that he can get himself open frequently enough and consistently enough against the better teams, especially if he doesn't have a guy like Joe Burrow throwing in the ball. I think that that part of it for receivers needs to be considered great. Sure, sure. Yeah, and I, I I know you're not doing it, and I'm trying not to do it. I don't want to crap on T. Higgins. I know you don't either because, listen, you are far better off with T. Higgins awesome. on your football team than, than without him because he is certainly very awesome at times. But again, when you come down to the business side of it, you have to look as an organization and go, all right, he wants number one money. He's not going to budge. He and his agent aren't going to budge, and we don't think he gets should get that kind of money. And so – at that point, then you have to decide whether to move on on without him. And, and and at that point, try to get something in return, which would be a trade. Again, it's not happening now. You know, this all started with Paul in, in his athletic PC, and I did kind of similar things. We did three-part pieces of team free agents and, you know, possible guys in the future from, from the Joe Burrow contract extension and the implications. And Paul just brought up the possibility that they can't reach it, you know, that eventually you trade T. Higgins. I don't think he meant now. Um, and of course, then that douchebag dove, whatever his name is, Kleeman, 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 um, the, the aggregator guy, um, he took it and took it out of context. And then it spread like wildfire. Now, obviously, Peter King bringing it up certainly brings a little credence to the possibility, but it ain't happening now. I mean, he's still under contract for 2023. Right. Right. All right. Let's switch gears here to the actual Super Bowl. And there are a handful of, of storylines I want to get to with this, but we'll start with the Andy Reid one that has been brought up a decent amount. Do you think Andy Reid cares about playing the Eagles? I mean, it's the Super Bowl, so he's obviously going to care an incredible amount about winning the game. But do you think the fact that it's against his former team that he wasn't able to get over the hump and win one with, do you think that brings up any extra emotion or makes him care any more about this game? I don't because he's been in Kansas City for so long. I mean, yeah. if this was if this was you know year one or two after after Philadelphia, then sure, I could see that. But 10 years in, I think of him as much as the Chiefs head coach as I did as the Eagles head coach. Right. If there were the same people still in the Eagles organization, it was right. similar players right. and guys right. you worked with, then, yeah, you definitely want to show well against them and play well and be like, look, it wasn't my fault while we were there. But you're so far past that. No one's talking about that anymore for the most part, except for this week, because this matchup has happened that I just don't see. I mean, maybe with the fan base, it'd be nice to for him to kind of shove it up the Eagles fan base and, and be like, yeah, see, I wasn't the issue. But um, yeah, but you you know what? I think he's kind of already done that by winning a Super Bowl. Right. Exactly. I just, I just don't see that being much of a real concern for him going into this game. I don't yeah, think he's I, thought I about yeah, it like, much at all. No, I'm, I'm kind of with you on that. I mean, I, it certainly is something that's been talked about and brought up, and I get it that it's a storyline, but the, the wound isn't fresh any longer. I mean, again, like I said, I, I think of him as much in terms of being the Kansas City Chiefs head coach as I did as the Eagles head coach. I do, too. Speaking of uh, storylines that have been brought up, a little bit too much already. I'm completely over the Kelsey brothers storyline. I am 5,000% over the Kelsey brothers story. I don't really think it's their fault. I don't know. Travis is annoying, but I'm already tired of them. Just it's been, the media is so annoying with this right now. And it's going to be 10 times worse. The two days leading up to the game. You know, their brother, their mother brought them cookies the other day. Oh my goodness. Thank you for reporting that. That was really, and that Travis look at, Oh my gosh, he looks like Channing Tatum. Look at him dance. He should have been in magic Mike. Oh my Lord. (laughs) Maybe he was, maybe maybe he is. Maybe Uh, he's promoting it already. I mean, it's unbelievable the way the media just can't, it's like he's Gronk, but slightly smarter. So they just can't get enough of him. Yeah. I think if you look at the magic Mike, if you look at the credits, when it's all said and done, it'll be, uh, background dancer number seven, dot, 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 Travis Kelsey. Got to look close. Yeah, right, right. He'd be a perfect stunt double for Chan. He's, he's actually like right in between Channing Tatum and Gronk. Like not as smart as Channing Tatum, not quite as good looking as him, somewhere in between him and Gronk. Yeah, and then and then Jason's got the bad beard. He's got a bad beard. He's got the the one that you're like, it's like that food gets stuck in that bad boy. I gotta it just it just doesn't look good. Terrible beard. And then he also goes into his whole like I'm weird and quirky and I like art and and plays and stuff, but I'm also a football player. It's like, yeah, all right, we get it. You're different, man. Go play Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, skinny, the best matchup of the game is my opinion: Pat Mahomes' ankle versus the Eagles' pass rush. Give me your best matchup for the Super Bowl. 
yeah, I, I don't think it's his ankle. I think he's now another week removed, actually two weeks really removed from all that. Actually, three weeks really removed from all that. And I, it sounds like, I mean, he's like close to 1000%. I do think it's, it's, it's him and or their offensive line against that Eagles pass rush because they just wreck freaking games and they got multiple wreckers. And that's why when we get to the pick segment, I am all over Philadelphia in this game. I think they just wreck Kansas City. I do. 15 more sacks than any other team in the NFL this year. Yeah, I mean, I mean that's got, crazy. And they do it from that's, that's the thing. You can't just pick out one guy and go, all right, we block him. We're OK. They got six guys that can come get you. Yeah, it, it's, it's terrifying now. Again, we'll talk about it more as we get to the picks. That it's still Pat Mahomes and the Chiefs back there. I'm I'm interested to see how it goes, but that is to me the storyline to watch is is yeah. that pass rush going against Mahomes and and is he back to being 100 percent mobile too? Because that's I a think big he part. Is. Of I, I it seems like I, listen, I, I watched him in in person in Kansas City. He did hobble a couple of times, but he also moved around a few times too. He wasn't close to 100 because there were times where he tried to escape up the pocket, and you could just tell he did not have the acceleration to do so. But I think with this team, you're not just escaping one part of it. You're, I mean, they'll, they'll just swallow you whole, and and they're, they're they don't give up much on the ground. I, I again, we'll talk about this more when we get to the whole pick segment. I, I do, and I do think the other part to it, as much as Chris Jones wrecked the Bengals on that Sunday, I just I think Philly's offensive line will neutralize Chris Jones and Frank, Frank Clark too. All right, is Jalen Hurts a top tier quarterback in your opinion, Skinny? He is in a weird way. Um, he's one of those guys I just equate to listen, he, he's flashy because he can run um better than most quarterbacks. Um he, he's great on deep balls. He just seems to be a guy, no matter where he's been, who just wins. He makes winning plays. And I think that gets underestimated a lot of times because it doesn't look like he's got a big hose, although he does throw the deep ball well. He certainly can run a little bit. He just makes winning plays. And I I think there's something to be said for, for that a lot of times. You know, when we watch Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow doesn't wow you with anything he does other than you just go, dude, just makes winning plays. And, and I, I think that's an underrated part of quarterback play. So, yeah, I think he's certainly up in the in the upper tier. He's definitely more dynamic as a runner than Russell Wilson was. But he does. Does he give you that same type of vibe potentially when Russell was at his peak early on in his career with the other Seahawks? Than being, other than being an annoying piece of shit. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, Russell was annoying. Russell is annoying. hundred percent. Yeah, that wasn't exactly the <laughs> sorry about that. I was I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I jumped, <laughs> jumped the shark there a little bit. Um, yeah, you might want to beat that part out. Sorry, because Russell Wilson just annoys the daylights out of me. He's such a phony. Um, yeah, a little bit. I think that's that's not that's not a bad comparison. Although I think Russell took more chances than Hurts takes. I don't think. Yeah, you see, I, I think Hurts is just really good, and I didn't expect this because. Felt like Alabama gave up on him, and then in Oklahoma, well, yeah, you're playing the crazy, wide open, silly offense. They let you do what you want to do, and uh, you know, quarterbacks have time to throw the ball there and all that under the Lincoln Riley regime. And uh, yet, here he is in the NFL. Where l- listen, I don't think going into this year, even Philly was completely sold on the guy. No, I, I think he's made them. He's certainly sold. I think everybody by watching him play, and they should be sold on him. And he's clearly a starting oh, clearly. quarterback in the NFL, and and all of that. I'm not ready to go top tier yet. Like I, I don't have him at that same level as a Burrow, a a Mahomes, an Allen. I don't think he's in that conversation. I think he's in th- that next group. But that's still a pretty good place to be in when you've got a really young quarterback who's in that group. And let's be out. I mean, if he plays really well in, in a Super Bowl and continues this into next year, then he's in that group. But all of a sudden, he's right up in there in the top four or five quarterbacks. But right now, I would have him just out of that top tier personally. Yeah, like I said, I just go back. He doesn't make mistakes. He only threw six picks all season long and 460 attempts. Yeah, but he's also uh, not. I mean, look at the touchdown numbers, too. He's also yeah, but, but, a lot, yeah, lot less upside compared to those other top guys. Yeah, I mean, 22 touchdowns doesn't wow you, but then you had the 13 rushing in there, and he counts for 35 of them on a team that's so run heavy. Right. I, I don't know. I'm just I, I'm just a big believer in guys who make winning plays and, and don't hurt their team, and he's in that group for me. He, he, uh, I, I would love to have him as a quarterback, you know. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I like Joe Burrow better. Five, don't yes. me, yeah, I like Joe Burrow better um, as as a pure quarterback, but um, I wouldn't be upset if I was a fan and Jalen Hurts was my quarterback. No, not at all. I mean, again, we're, we're literally talking about he's a clear top 10 quarterback in the yes. league at worst. Yeah. And I, I would argue he's probably right outside that top four or five for me. All right, Skinny, people are talking a lot about the officiating after the AFC Championship game between the Bengals and the Chiefs. That conversation has spilled over into a second week now. Do you think it'd be bad or good for the NFL 
to have the game end on a huge controversial call or maybe not end on it, but but have a huge controversial call late in the game? That's a great question. I, I want to say bad, but I think the NFL would think it's good because everybody would still be talking about it because there's uh, there's just I just don't know what the answer is. And I, I will say this, Roger Goodell to come out and tell the officiating has never been better. Dude, what, honestly, just shut your pie hole that that, that dude. Honestly, just worry about hugging guys on draft night and being the giant big douchebag that you are um, instead of telling us that the officiating is fine. It's not fine. It, it's not. I, 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 again, I'm not, as you, we talked on the podcast after the Kansas City game, I'm not blaming the officiating for the laws. I'm just telling you the officiating in the league is not fine. I just don't know what the solution is. I, I do think that replay has messed it all up. Rick, I go back. I, I love watching. I don't know why, just because I'm an old geek. I love watching on YouTube. Um, old NFL films like Games of the Week. A lot of times they involve the Bengals just to kind of relive my childhood a little bit. And I'm watching games there where a, a receiver will catch a ball and a fumble will occur. I'll go, God, could you imagine if replay was around then? Nobody even cared back then. They just didn't. <laughs> they just were like, oh, that's that's what they called. We'll no, that's going. right. And I think that's just, I think that's what a f- we wanted replay to honestly get the most egregious of egregious calls correct. Yep. Yep. And unfortunately, what it's done now is it's turned into every little thing is micromanaged from a replay perspective of whether it's time to throw the challenge flag or not on this mark or that mark. I just I'm so over that part of it. It it, it really drags the game down. So to your question, I don't have a good answer for you. I, I because if it ends on a bad call, we're going to be bitching about it for months. But at the same time, what is the salute? No one has the solution at this point. I wish there was a solution. I don't know if there is one. Yeah. So, I mean, solving NFL officiating is a much bigger problem that I don't think either one of us are equipped to handle right now. But yeah, to me, the solving of it is, is take replay away and let's just realize they're a human element of the game as well as the players making bad plays on occasion are a human element of the game. Well, I mean, coaches making bad decisions are a human element of the game. Taking replay out may make it more watchable and easier to just get through the game and speed it up a little bit. But it's it's not going to fix the officiating because the, the, uh, they still get so many calls wrong and there's just way too many rules and way too many interpretations yes. of all these different rules by different guys. So uh, you're never going to have consistent officiating. But I'm for this specific conversation, I'm more interested in the soap opera aspect of the NFL. To me, it is 100% just reality TV for men and women, but it's, you know, it's obviously... Something men aren't watching days of our lives. We're not watching a ton of the bachelor. Although I, apparently if you listen to sports talk radio, there are a fair amount of guys doing that as well, but this is something that most guys are going to watch and it becomes their drama for the week. And it's what they complain about to each other. And they call each other up and talk about throughout the week. And a lot of it comes back to things like this bad calls. So honestly, I'm at the point now where I don't think the NFL wants good officiating. I mean, they'll act like they do. They'll say they do. And I don't think they're intentionally trying to sabotage it. They don't need to. It's it's too hard of a job. There's too many rules. The, the officials aren't very good at it. They have guys that are like 75 years old because they, they never retire these guys. And it's a good job to have. So it's not like they have to try to make it bad. But they're certainly not bothered by the fact that it's bad because it's just another storyline for this drama and this soap opera f- for everybody to watch. Yeah, I, I guarantee you there are a lot of Bengals fans after the loss to Kansas City that said, I'm not going to watch the Super Bowl. Yeah, you are. Yeah. I mean, yes, you are. You yeah. are. Come on. I mean, yeah, that's just it. Yeah. I think to your point, we can bitch. Saints fans, I mean, they got screwed out of going to the Super Bowl. The year by the pass interference call, right? Right. It was terrible. It was egregious. It was plain, plain sight. Um, and then we had the stupid rule for a while where you could challenge pass interference, and then they took that away, thank God, because it was the dumbest thing ever. Um, and And – I guarantee you, I mean, I've I've watched Saints games since then. Last I checked, they pretty much fill that damn Superdome, don't they? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, and that how long did we're talking about it right now? How long did we keep talking about that right terrible call and that blown call? I mean, it it unfortunately adds to the sport. It, here's because, what it does. Here's what it does. It takes you up to the combine. The combine takes you into free agency. Free agency then takes you into OTAs, into mock draft time, into draft. Then back into some more OTAs in a mini camp. Then you get a slight break. June is a nice little slight break from the NFL. I enjoy June a lot because it's a nice break. And then we're right back into training camp and it starts all over again. Yep. They kill it. All right. One more question here about the Super Bowl before we get into our picks. Kevin Burkhart and Greg Olson are now the number one broadcasting team for Fox. They will have the Super Bowl this year. Skinny, your thoughts on Fox's number one team? Meh. 
That's I just don't get Super Bowl vibes from those two guys. There's nothing wrong with them. I don't have a big problem with them. I think they're fine. But like this, is I just don't get the sense that this is going to feel like a big game. No, I, although Kevin Burkhart doesn't annoy me. I know Greg Olson annoys a handful of national national uh, media pundits. I don't really think he's annoying. Much. I just think he's not. He's a nothing. He's a dry. Yeah. Doesn't yeah, I'm a, I'm, yeah, And that's I go back to for me, dude, as, as long as you don't annoy me, I, I, I'm, I'm there to watch the game. That's where I I still am perplexed at all these former quarterbacks getting all this money to, to be analysts. And, and I, I don't I'm not watching games for their analysis. I'm sorry, I'm not. I'm watching it because I, I want to watch the game. I, I don't care what your analysis is. I'm just watching it. Do you think the top I mean. Tom Brady has nothing to do with this Super Bowl. He's not going to come until 2024 to fulfill that Fox contract, according to what was said this week. But do you think part of that Tom Brady contract is just that women like looking at him? Yeah, but for the most part, how many times are you on camera, bro? Not Five, a lot. Seven, not a lot. I, but, yeah. I mean, he could be doing studio work. He could be doing other stuff on that contract. We don't know exactly what that contract is going to consist. I just wonder, I mean, what has Tom Brady done in his career? That makes us think he's worth being paid the top broadcaster. He's never been engaging. He's never been charismatic. He's never been interesting to listen to talk. Yeah, I'll be honest with you. I, I, you know, I like Jamie Erdahl a lot and I like uh, Colleen Wolf a lot. I like looking at both of them quite a lot, but I don't really turn on their shows on pregame shows just to look at them. I may flip by and go, oh, Colleen Wolf, she's a good looking girl. Click, go to the next. I, I just I'm, I just don't. I agree. I'm just trying to figure out the value in the Tom Brady contract. It just doesn't I, make sense to me. And I, I just I don't think he'll be very good at it. I don't either. I mean, he's done nothing to this point to suggest that he would be a good broadcaster. Now, maybe I mean, he'll completely change now that he's out of football and he's not got that. I'm a quarterback mindset and I have to be dry and act like Bill Belichick in my press conferences. But I'll be interested to see, because to this point, the guy has no personality. I hope my order comes today, too, by the way. What's that? My the, the Tom Brady sand I ordered. It's coming. It's hopefully. It'll be oh, you bought some of that. How did you pay? Uh, one hundred fifty thousand, or what'd you pay? <laughs> oh my goodness! Are you kidding me? Buying the sand? Somebody to go out and ever. find the exact spot where you sat to do that and sell the sand. That is just genius. I love. I love the entrepreneurial skills of that guy <laughs> to go out and hustle up some sand. But uh, the people who are buying it should be locked away. Yeah. So should people that bought FTX or whatever that Bitcoin goofus was. All right. Well, shout out to Kevin Burkhart and Greg Olson. I hope they have a great call. I'm just uh, I'm not overwhelmed with that. Uh, let's get into our betting segment. We'll land some picks on the Super Bowl here. 62, 56 and one is my record on the football season. You are 56, 62 and one on the football season to this point. We have the Eagles as a one one and a half point favorite right now. And the total is 51. So those are the numbers we'll be using for our picks. All right. I'm going Eagles 30, Kansas City 20. So the Eagles in the under slightly for me. And I'll probably bump that number up when I do it for real. And I'll probably do an alternate line, Rick, of maybe minus four. If I go minus four and bump that bump that up, I, I get a nice little two-team parlay out of that, in my opinion. All right. Here's where I'm at on this. And I don't disagree with your assessment of the game. The Eagles defense is going to give the Chiefs a lot of problems, and I could see that being the reason they not only win, but I could see them winning this game by multiple touchdowns, potentially. Like I I legitimately understand the reason for that. I'm going to pick the Chiefs, though, straight up. And the biggest reason why is because I I know this may seem insane to say when Tom Brady just retired, but Pat Mahomes might very well be the best quarterback in NFL history. Oh, from a sheer talent standpoint, I I don't think I can disagree with that. Right. And – I'm getting him at plus odds in the Super Bowl. That's a fair point. The I'm just going I'm gonna, to go ahead and take the money line and not ask any more questions than that. What, yeah. What I'm going to throw at you, though, is this, and it's not tit for tat. I realize it. You know, for all the Bengals' offensive struggles in that championship game, they still scored 20 points. And sure. that was with Joe Burrow being unable to really have enough time to pick on those rookie corners. I think Jalen Hurts is going to have plenty of time to pick on those rookie corners and Devontae Smith and or um, – and or Brown are going to have just huge days. That's totally fair. You've also got a little bit of this aspect. And I mean, this gets into the mental stuff and people make too much of it all the time, but it is the Eagles first time doing this. It is Jalen Hurts first time doing this. This is a lot of weird pomp and circumstance around the game. You're you're uh, normal. Sirianni's first time doing it. Yeah. The normal routine isn't the same. You're going to have this weird long halftime segment that lasts way longer than normal. and, And the third quarter could get wonky. So, there's some other things there, and a lot of it is just going off feel and the fact that I'm getting Pat Mahomes at plus odds, if I'm being honest. I understood. I can see it going either way, but that's my logic for taking the Chiefs. 
No, I, I, your logic's well well thought out. I'll, I'll give you that. I'm just trying to look at the, just the sheer matchup itself. And and then my issue with that is I can see it going either way when I look at the matchup. Honestly. Yeah, I, Philly had their little hiccup at the end when they were dealing with the, the hurt shoulder shoulder injury. And then all of a sudden the playoffs started, the light bulb went back on. I thought they were the best team um, during the regular season. Uh, and I, I certainly don't waver the way they've played in the playoffs at this point. All right, Skinny, um, any, I mean, here's the thing that's stupid about talking about Super Bowl MVP. It's one of the two quarterbacks, right? Well, okay, so it, it is other than I'd like to, I'd like to make, if I had a hundred bucks, and I do have a hundred bucks, so this is probably how I'm going to do it. I probably <laughs> will put 60 of it, maybe 70 of it on Jalen Hurts, and then I'm going to spread the other 30 or 40 around to, I got to make a decision between Brown or Devonte Smith. I think one of the two of them is going to just have a monster game. I want to spread a little bit to Miles Sanders in case somehow, some way, he is the guy that's the beneficiary of 16 carries for 101 and three touchdowns. Um, although they love to sneak it when Hurts gets close, so that takes a little bit of that away. And then I'd like to pick one guy on defense that could potentially wreck it, and I'm not sure who that's going to be yet. All right, I can. I mean, the odds go insanely. Up after you get past. Yeah, I don't have. I, you know what's funny, Rick? I had those early in the week. I don't have them in front of me. I'd love to see what some of those non-quarterback odds are. Well, uh, so Travis Kelsey is plus twelve hundred or twelve to one. Yeah, but if Kelsey does well, so does Mahomes, right? Right. AJ Brown is eighteen to one. S- similar situation there with yeah, Jalen Hurts. It, yeah, it is. Except, it, if if he he has a chance to go off for like ten for one eighty. That, that's the thing that would scare me a little bit is he could go for 10 for 180 and Hertz completes balls for 270, but 180 of it goes to him. And that's where I could lean that way with a little bit of, okay, he had such a monster game that it over, it, it usurps the quarterback and that it, it, the odds it's worth, it's worth taking. Right. So Miles Sanders, 22 to one. Okay. Uh, here's an interesting name. Hassan Reddick is yeah. 30 to one. Yeah. That's, that's probably the guy on defense I'm looking at, um, you know, 10 of my dollars to win to chance to win 300. Yeah, I think I could do that. I like that. Okay. Do you have any other props that you really like? I have a few others that I'm interested in. Do you have any? No, props I'll, I'll like? let you, I'll let you, I'm not, a, I'm not a pro. It's funny. I'm not a big prop guy. I'll probably put together some, some kind of same game prop parlay with players, but not props themselves. So lay them on me. What you got? Okay. I'll run through four of them real quick. And you can just say, if you like them or yep. not, Kenneth Gainwell, Eagles running back over 19 and a half rushing yards. Damn, um, that's a good one. The last three games, he's gone for 35, 112, and 48. Yeah, that's a good one, Rick. That, I, that, that's part one of my same game prop. There we go. That's part one of my parlay. Okay. Travis Kelsey, Chiefs tight end, which this is a name that everyone's going to be playing, but there's no Miko Hardman. You've got the Mahomes ankle thing, which you may not feel is a factor, but still, it, it if anything, it would potentially limit some explosive plays and make him more likely to check down. Travis Kelsey is over six and a half receptions, which is basically he averages more than that. Yeah, I, so, think I, th- I think I'm there. And I think that I think Andy Reid sometimes I, I mean this sincerely. I, I, I had Travis on my fantasy team and he helped me a ton this year, obviously. But he didn't catch a touchdown down the stretch in, in a ridiculous amount, like five or six or seven games. I can't remember what was down the stretch. And it almost felt like every red zone trip, they, they get bored doing the same thing. And that's where you got a lot of Jarrett McKinnon thrown in. I think in this game with all the stakes on the line, there ain't no reason to be bored any longer. So I do think the superstars get their touches. I kind of like, I'm with you. I like Kelsey over the six well, and a half catches. And I, I will say the first half for all I know. Exactly. I mean, it's very possible he has that by the second quarter. And I mean, he could have 10 or 11 catches in this game and it wouldn't surprise at all. But the one thing I will say about that is that this number is heavily juiced to the over. So it's minus 140 if you take it at six yeah, and a right, half. But if I'm doing it in the same game parlay, it's, I can erase some of that juice. That's what I was going to say. It's going to be a one I add on to a same game parlay. It's not something I'm taking by itself. Here's the other one that I like a lot. And I'd actually like to get this at 0.5 sacks. It's at 0.25 right now. It's heavily juiced. But Hassan Reddick, who we were just talking about, the Eagles edge rusher, he's had three and a half sacks in two playoff games so far. And his over under for sacks in this game is 0.25 right now. Meaning if he got half a sack, he would we would cash that bet. That's a weird. That's a weird one to me. I'm surprised it's 0.25 because yeah, because a half a sack gets you over that number. Yeah, I'm I'm with you on the over right. That. So so that's another one that's heavily juiced to the over on DraftKings right now. If you can find it elsewhere, a lot of the guys are only uh, 0.5 sack, meaning you're you're betting on him to get a whole sack. If yeah, I can find it, that number, I'll probably do that. But as right, of right that, now, that, I'd add him to a parlay. Yeah, and the half a sack would get you a push anyway. So yeah, right. And then uh, 
field goal as the first scoring play of the game at plus 155. Five of the last six Super Bowls have had field goals open the scoring. And the one that didn't, the second score of the game was a field goal. I feel like in Super Bowls, a lot of times teams play a little bit conservative. They're feeling each other out initially. The field goal attempt feels very likely. They make it. You cash it plus 155. That's a good one. Yeah, I like that. I like that one by itself. Because I do too. That's one I'll take by itself. Because it's in any team. It's in any team. Thing. Any team and it's ends plus what, odds too. What, what's what's the safety at? I first score. You know, I do not. Ah, you're know. good. You're good. Yeah, I'm take a second to look. At was it that, was the Denver Seattle? Was the Denver Seattle Super Bowl right that began with a safety? If I remember right, I think that's right. I do remember one starting with. I can't. Was it Denver Seattle? I think it was Denver Seattle. Okay. All right. Anything else to add to the Super Bowl before we uh, rush through this college basketball segment, Skinny? No. The, the, I, I, well, you did some digging on those. I, I like it. Yeah, I have a couple couple that I like there. I'll probably throw those all together, and then I'll do like the field goal by itself. I'm kind of with you. And maybe the Kenneth Gainwell won by itself, too. And the good part for me is I've got some some fantasy football money coming my way actually tonight as we do this podcast, so it'll, it'll, it'll be reinvested. Roll it right over into the Super Bowl, baby. Yep. All right, college basketball time. We'll start with Xavier. They had a great week. The Musketeers beat Providence in overtime at home, 85-83, then beat St. John's at home, 96-71. to Both of those wins came without Zach Fremantle. It was the Musketeers' first week playing without Fremantle, and we talked about how that may impact them and, and how big of a blow it might be. And the first half of that Providence game, they built a big lead. Then the final four minutes, they didn't score a field goal, and they gave up the big lead. And it's like, uh-oh, is this what it's like without Zach Fremantle now is the offense going to get bogged down and struggle through these long stretches. And since then, there's been no problems. The second half against Providence was great offensively. Both halves against St. John's were excellent on both ends of the floor. What'd you make of uh, the, the week that was for Xavier without Zach Fremantle? Yeah, we talked about the Providence game on the last podcast and and I was, you know, you know, really impressed with, with, with that game. Cause I think Providence is really good. Um, and I made the point to you then I still don't know how they're going to do this. As, as you get through conference play with minutes adding up. Um, I do think this nice break in the schedule, though, helps a little bit. We'll see then in the cumul- accumulation after the Butler game on Friday where you start playing more regularly. Um, I mean, listen, dude, as much as Zach Freeman has been a big part of this, you and I talked on this about this last week after the Providence game. I, I didn't think it was going to kill them offensively because it just you're just asking a you know, your three main guys that are left on the offensive end, Colby Jones, Sule Boom, and, and Jack Nungy, just to do a little bit more. And then Ron Hunter gives you the, you know, eight, nine points. That makes up for a little bit of it. I just thought it was the the the, the, the extra J- body. J- Jerome Hunter. Ron, the Tulane's right. coach, Ron Hunter, will not sorry. be playing. For sorry, you know, he will not be right. Jerome Hunter. Sorry. Thank you for the correction. You're right. Um, I just thought that the, the depth piece missing is what's going to hurt. And it, it hasn't so far. I hate to say I'm going to reserve judgment for that, but I'm still going to reserve judgment for that because I want to see when games start to accumulate how this does affect these guys' legs, you know, towards the end of this month into in, into March. I think that's what everyone's waiting to see. I mean, I, I, that gets brought up to me in every interview I do right now, whether it be radio I, or podcast. I, I, or I, I, I raked leaves all day yesterday, Rick, because uh, it's about the fifth time I've done it ahead of the, the windstorm that was coming. So I wanted <laughs> to get those out of my yard. But I did. I listened to your interview with Mo and you brought that up again. And you're, you've made the your, your point to this point is correct. I just I'm a big accumulation guy. Eventually, in my opinion, it takes its toll. And it may. I mean, we'll just have to wait to find that out because or, there's no way of telling right now. But they're clearly getting by without it right now. And it hasn't it hasn't created a significant drop off in their performance on either end. No, or games like Friday, even though I know it's on the road. I mean, if you do the if you take the butlers of the world, you know, the DePaul home game coming up the, and then the butler game. I mean, you've got three games here potentially to go a little deeper into your bench um, in those games either because of a blowout potential or just because. So maybe that helps a little if they do that. Maybe they just say to hell with it. We're just rolling. And you've made the point of we got mainly six guys. We'll use Kiki maybe on occasion or. Seems Edwards. like Cam Kraft might have. Cam Kraft, yeah. I mean, Cam Kraft was, the, was the, what the second guy off the bench the other night, right? Yeah, he kind of took Kiki's minutes there yeah. in that St. John's game and he did well. Yeah. So maybe, maybe that guy's an eight minute a game guy and that, that, and, and then you're creative with the other, you know, with the six man rotation. Um, I, I can live with that in March. I just think you need to be wary of that before you get to March. Well, and your point about them winning some of these games handily might be a good one. Like they played really well against St. John's and actually put them away and, and won by 
25 points. That was the first time they've really done that this season, put a team away and, and had some breathing room. If they can do that a, another time or two over the next couple of weeks, it could go a long way to, to resting some of those guys a little right. bit and, and saving their legs some. So we will see. But I think Desmond Claude picking up his performance off the bench, too, has been huge for this team. The fact that they can now go six deep, go to Desmond Claude and feel like they're going to get a boost from him has, has been significant over the last two games. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. And, you know, maybe for him, it was just a matter of of opportunity. I know you've talked highly of him, but now you get the opportunity that they're going to play you and you've got the confidence to, to go do it now. And he certainly did the other night. He was great the other night. Yeah, he's, he's really been playing well now, probably for the last four or five games, but it definitely had more of an impact the, the last two games when you don't have Zach Freeman on. You're like, OK, Desmond Claude needs to give us 25, 30 minutes. And, and he's been able to do that. I'm not going to lie to you. I did have a, a weird, a weird dream last night. It was a premonition. A, no, no, we'll get to the premonition in a minute. Well, maybe this is a premonition. It was a game where Adam Kunkel was like the only key player on the floor and he scored like 13 straight points for Xavier. I don't know who they were playing. I, it was so foggy, but his guys, Adam Kunkel scored 13 straight points. That's probably not good. It seems, I love seems like it might have been like a 16 seed or a 14 seed that they were playing in the first round of the tournament, maybe, maybe or something. Maybe, maybe, but maybe that was me thinking, man, they don't have any depth. And Adam Kunkel's the only guy down that he's playing with a bunch of subs because there's no depth. But like in the, in the dream, I swear to God, I think he was the only guy on the court. He was making everybody shots, fell though. out. Everybody he was making out. shots. There you go. All right. Cincinnati skinny. They get a win 73 64 over Central Florida over the weekend. And then they turn around and lose 101 94 in overtime against Tulane in a wild game that was at Tulane. Uh, just a craziness. There was a lot of shot making going on. There were tempers running high. Wes Miller was guys got hurt. Yeah, guys were getting hurt. Rob Finnessy went down. Victor um, Locken went down. Victor Locken hurt his knee. It was it was just a crazy finish. And I think for UC fans, it was a really frustrating game to let slip away because they had it multiple times in the second half. It felt like they were going to win that game, and then it, it somehow slips away. What were your takeaways from the the two games over the weekend and, and now this week? Yeah, I mean, I just I can't. I, I feel bad for UC fans right now because you're in such a just a meh area of yeah. did that win even matter? I mean, it, it did if you're a fan because you want your team to win, but it, this is the time of year you, you're looking going, man, got to have this win tonight to get us another one to, to build the resume. They ain't building no resume. It's win the conference tournament or bust at this point. So it just, it doesn't feel like it's much fun. Uh, you are in this weird period, but they're also in year two of Wes Miller a year before they go to the big 12. There's a lot to figure out here still. So I think there's, plenty of value in being like, let's start beating right, so some of question. these so, teams so, in the American. So let me ask you, so what are you figuring out? Cause some of these guys are gone after this year. Well, I think for a lot of UC fans right now, it's just, do we have faith in West Miller or not going forward? And you're right. I mean, next year, it's going to be a completely different scenario when you don't have David Julius. Will you have Landers and Ollie? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. You would, you would hope so. Yeah. Uh, but you look at some of this roster. I mean, it's not going to be the same. And Where's the extra firepower going to come from? It likely has to be the transfer portal. I like their recruiting class. I don't think those are guys that are going to instantly make you better in the Big 12. No, they should be depth pieces to help you in the Big 12. I mean, not not come in. I mean, we're not talking one and done dudes coming in here, man. Right. And uh, I mean, Daniel Skillings has shown some promise, but is he the guy that's going to, to get you over the hump next year? When I mean, the Big 12 has six teams right now that are in place to get a top four seed in the NCAA tournament this year. Dude, that's, that's what you're dealing with. The, I'm doing this off the top of my head, Rick. I think I'm right on this, and you can certainly correct me wrong. I think the worst team, maybe not by metrics, but I think standings-wise, is Texas Tech. And I'm not sure they're not pretty damn good. I mean, they had a huge win a week ago. But I think yeah, that's... No, right. Yeah, I think I think that's the, the hard part for UC. Like you said, one, they're in this no-man's land of this season where nothing really matters all that much, but you still want to start to show some progress and show that... At least, if nothing else, you believe Wes has this figured out and, and he can coach and, and you're going to be playing better basketball. But I, to continue to let these close games slip away and Tulane had a good year. They're they nine and three in the yes. conference. Yes, yes. It's, it's not like it's a bad loss at their gym or anything, but that's the thing about all of UC's quad one games this year. It, you can't win any of them. You got to find a way to win a few of these games. And I'll say this. If you have UC still on your schedule the rest of the year, you better be working on his own defense. Well, I mean, 
it, it, I, I would agree with that. Yes. You've seen multiple. I mean, going all the way back to the NKU game, you've seen multiple teams give them trouble with the zone. They're averaging 0.8 points per possession against a zone defense this year, which is much worse than they are against a man-to-man. You want to be above one point per possession, basically, to be considered average so or good. So, um, yeah, 0.8 is not going to get it done. And I would imagine you're going to see more teams try to take them out of their offense by going to a zone. Yeah, like I said, I just feel bad for UC fans at the moment because you're just in such a ugh area where this season's not going to end in an NCAA tournament berth and all. I mean, I don't. I, they could win the conference tournament. It's not that they can't. I just don't see it happening. And then you're going into next year just holding your breath, hoping you don't get boat raced. I mean, honestly. Yeah. And I mean, you know, Landers Nolly scored 26 in the game. He hit 6-3. So uh, they're still getting some of those big offensive performances and shooting the ball well. They hit 17 threes in this game. They just another game against quality competition that they couldn't find a way to get over the hump. And that's yep. kind of been the story of their season really all year. Yep. Well, maybe, they, right. can, maybe they and Kentucky can play each other and that way somebody can get a quad one win. Well, it'd be a fun NIT matchup if UC can get there. Maybe that's what they're building a resume. Maybe for. that's what they're doing. There you go. All right. And- Kentucky's trending that way. Oh, yes. Yeah. So we'll get to them in one, one second here. NKU. Beats Robert Morris 65-52 last Thursday at Robert Morris. Then they turn around and lose an absolute stinker of a game to Youngstown State at Youngstown State. 74-56, the final of that game on Saturday night. The Norse will be at Wright State on Friday and home against IUPUI for senior day this Sunday uh, before, home, before the Super last Bowl. Last home game. Last, last home game. That's why it's senior day. It's crazy. And what'd you think of uh, NKU splitting their series against Robert Morris and Youngstown State on the road? Well, you're the radio analyst, so I'm going to let you do most of the analysis. But uh, listen, you, losing at Youngstown this year is is not embarrassing because they are arguably one of the two or three best teams in the league with NKU um, and Milwaukee, which I'm still scratching my head over Milwaukee losing to Green Bay, by the way. that, that That's Why? embarrassing. I, it just felt like the way NKU lost to Youngstown State, right? I mean, just not doing anything offensively in the second half after it being a four-point game at halftime. I think that, that's the disappointment. Again, losing to Youngstown, I can shrug my shoulders and go, yeah, okay, the Youngstown, they're having a good year at home. I, I can live with it. It's just, it feels like this NKU team can never, talk about getting over the hump, can never string enough consistency together to go, that's the team that's going to win the Horizon League. And they still can, obviously. They're still good enough to do it. But it just, they can't take that final step to go, oh, that's the team I've been looking for all year. Well, in each of the last three years, under Darren Horn since he started, they've had this period where all of a sudden they flip the switch, they go on a big run at the end of the year, and they play really good basketball, and they do find some consistency for a month, a month and a half, what have you, and they reel off a bunch of wins at the end of the conference season to get themselves in position for the tournament. That so far has not been the case yet this year. Now, they put themselves in a better spot early because they were tied for first uh, going into last week. Now they're uh, two games back of Youngstown State at 13 and seven, Youngstown State at 15 and five. But that's been the difference for NKU is that they've been in position this year in a better spot tied for first, but they're not flipping that switch. They're not hitting that run where all of a sudden they start playing better basketball than the rest of the conference. And in fact, that game at Youngstown State this past Saturday was their worst performance probably of the year. Certainly on defense, it was their worst performance from an efficiency standpoint. Yeah, I, I do. I will say this is one of those years, it seems like in the league, Rick, where, you know, there's past years where you're like, damn, you got to avoid right State at all costs come tournament time. Yeah. Or you got to avoid this. I mean, it just doesn't, it feels like you may face Youngstown in the semis. You may face Milwaukee in the semis. You may face Cleveland State in the semis. I mean, there's going to be – there's really no team to avoid. At the same time, there's not going to be layups to get to the to the championship. Right. No, exactly right. I mean, there's definitely more parity at the top this year than in years past where it's been like one or two teams you feel like are legitimately the best, and then there's a whole, whole bunch below them. This year, it feels like Youngstown State, NKU, Milwaukee – and even Cleveland State really are in that similar group at the top. You could maybe even throw Oakland into that mix. But the problem for NKU is you've had two games for first place against Milwaukee. You lost both of those, one at home and and one on the road. You had a game for first place at Youngstown State this past week, and you find a way to lose that one You in a game you weren't really competitive in. At some point, they have to perform well against the top teams in the conference. They have to win these games that matter uh, for seeding purposes. And don't get me wrong, I mean, you could be the top seed in this conference and get the NCAA's all-time leading scorer, Antoine Davis, right. in the first round. So right. I'm not sure right. how much it matters to be like the first seed versus the second or third seed necessarily, 
but it does matter that you can't seem to find consistency and play yeah. well. So yeah. I, that, that's the big concern right now. Why do you think that is? The performance at Youngstown State, I can't explain because the defense was terrible there and their defense has been really good all year. The biggest issue for most of the season has been the offense gets bogged down. They play too slow and they have an over-reliance on Mark West Warwick. And when an opponent like Youngstown State has an athletic defender like Youngstown State does in Dwayne Cohill, they're able to take Marquez work out of it too much. He was just two for six from the field against the Penguins. I mean, NK, you can't have that. That's not going to get it done. So I think that's been the, the big issue for most of the season. But against Youngstown State, it was like an all systems failure. Yeah, I think um, I think former NKU player, Ethan Faulkner, an assistant at Youngstown. That's right. Yeah. yeah, former former NKU assistant and player. player. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Kentucky. Let's move on to the Wildcats. They <laughs> beat Florida 72-67, and then they lose to Arkansas 88-73. Home loss for the Cats that they just absolutely had to have. They'll play at Georgia on Saturday and at Mississippi State on Wednesday. Skinny, uh, is Kentucky done? Are they out of the tournament at this point? No, but you, you, no, they're not. But they're they're trending back in that direction, and now you you've backed yourself into a real corner because they still got to play Auburn, they still got to go back to Arkansas, they still get Tennessee at home. Now those are all four quad one opportunities, but they just keep stop taking advantage. I think Mississippi State might be because it's on the road. That might be quad one. Am I right? Uh, I'd have to look up. That's okay. There. I, no. I, I know it's close. So you've got the opportunities. The problem is they've pissed down their pants at all of them. And I'll be honest with you, I, I I thought Kyle Tucker of The Athletic wrote a great piece. I mean, Oscar Shipway is a problem. No question. And it's been that way. Yeah, Mississippi State is 47 in the net, by the way. Okay. So that would okay. be a quad one okay. game on yeah. the road. Okay. Yeah, Oscar Shipway has quite honestly been a problem for them all year. And I don't know if that's because he has regressed to some extent or if it's because other teams have figured out how to attack him better. Oh, dude, they, they figured it out. And it's funny how many, how many of these these coaches and players from other teams literally tell you, yeah, we, we thought we could get him and pick and roll and kill him. And yeah, and, that's all done it, and there's nothing been fixed at it. Yeah. That's, that's the thing is it's been, a, it's been something very simple. I mean, it's just ball screen actions with Oscar out on the floor, defending it and teams are exploiting that. I just wonder, did UK have more around him last year to hide some of those deficiencies or are the opposing teams just way better at exploiting it? Maybe and that's a great question. Maybe way better. Maybe St. Peter's showed that. I don't know. I mean, because St. Peter's seemed to come downhill in that tournament game. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's the thing. So what do you do with the guy? The only thing I can think of is he still gives you something off the glass. I, listen, and some of this is on Cal too. If, if you're going to put him on the floor, um, don't play your offense through him against elite level length. You can do it against the Yales of the world and some of the teams where he's he, he, the, the length isn't elite against him. And honestly, defensively, you're going to have to play zone, bro. I know you don't like it, but if you're going to put him on the floor and play him, you better put yourself and park yourself in some kind of a zone. Yeah, you, you can't keep letting him just get exposed. destroyed in ball screens. Exposed in ball screens. It's, it's horrifying. It's already been proven that that's not the answer. And don't get me wrong. It's like, I don't think Kentucky can win anything of consequence without Oscar Shibway playing. But you so. have to adjust just to his deficiency, though. You can't just let him continue to be deficient and go, uh, he's going to fix it. We're going we're gonna to make it work. No, you're not. It's been February now, dude. Right. And uh, as of yesterday, when Bracket Matrix was last updated, which is uh, a site that and aggregates all the different bracketologists. Yeah, Kentucky, I did not look. Are they in or out? They are still in at an 11 seed and, and not even the last team in or anything like that. So um, in theory, they're still in the tournament field right now. But I mean, there's just no wiggle room left for this Kentucky team at all. They have to win some of these quad one games down yes. the stretch. And, and they've just shown no hope that that's going to be the case no because he's too stubborn to change and i i'm telling you i went to i went to the rep rafters board at cats illustrated oh i bet that's doing oh, well right Lord. now so i i fell asleep at halftime of the game i just i can't stay up anymore anyway i had a couple of pops in me because i'm on vacation this week so i fell asleep i woke up and saw the score i'm like oh my gosh so the first thing was like four o'clock in the morning like i gotta go read the oh my god almighty i mean he has no wiggle room left either I guess, but as we've talked about multiple times, oh, I know that. Like, what I'm, do you do with that buyout? You know, uh, I mean, that's a great nothing. You, and with no, that recruiting class coming in next year, he's not. He he's past that point. We're past the I point of Cal's going anywhere. I agree with you, but it, it's still got to be frustrating as hell for UK fans. And I and I kind of understand why they're starting to turn, or I guess not starting. I get, I understand why a significant amount of them have turned at this point. Yes. Yeah. All right. Let's get into some ask any anything here, real quick. Skinny, did you feel any type of way about LeBron James becoming the NBA's all-time leading scorer? 
So I didn't. I, I certainly um, I can remember this is this is kind of feels like it was yesterday. My daughter was in a, a play. My oldest daughter was in actually she was a, a, a child actress in some local theater. And so she was in a play and the night of LeBron's um, debut, um, I had to pick her up from play practice. And I remember turning on Cleveland radio station and you can get it in this market easily. Three uh, W.E. eleven hundred and listening to LeBron's debut with great interest of this high school kid. He's supposed to be the next coming. I want to listen. And, you know, it's one of those guys who followed his career from start to, to now, you know, good for him. It speaks to longevity. It speaks to greatness. Um, I thought Kareem was so gracious in what he said, because he's yeah. the one that got surpassed. But Kareem was just such a scoring machine. Don't, and this is not a knock again. I'm not knocking longevity. Um, you know, Kareem also had to play in college for four years back then. And LeBron got a technically a four year head start on him. So yeah, but Kareem that, still needed more games to do it. No, I agree. No, I, listen, I, I, but I just, I didn't, I don't know why I, and maybe basketball numbers don't mean as much to, to, to people. Baseball numbers seem to, I don't even think NFL numbers mean anything anymore, to be honest with you. They're all just kind of blurred because you went from 12 games to 14. Yeah. Games NFL games, games mean very games. little. NFL yeah. numbers mean very little. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I just, I shrugged it off. I, I didn't just say I shrugged. Off. I was like, okay, you know what? Good for you. You know, it speaks to a lot of things, your greatness, your longevity, but it didn't move my needle much. No. See, like, I think this is one of the cooler stats records to hold simply because you can't fake this. This isn't the Garrison Hurst situation where you can just hang around in the league long enough. And if you were pretty good, you can a- accumulate enough points to be on that list. I mean, you have to be really damn good. Now, the one the the worst guy on this list is Carl Malone, and he's third all time. So he would be the one guy that I'd kind of put in there as like he was probably more longevity than like as good as a LeBron or a Kareem or a Kobe or a Jordan, you know. But like he's still pretty damn good. I mean, that's one of the all time great players. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. it's not like we're talking about just a, an average starter, and that's what I think is cool about this list. I mean, you go down the names, and like I said, Carl Malone or Car- Carmelo Anthony or Moses Malone are the worst names in the top 10. It's all stars it's stars. I did not know Carmelo Anthony was in the top 10. Yeah, he's ninth all time. Yeah, that speaks to him hanging around too long. To some extent, but he was also a prolific scorer. He was a prolific For scorer. a long time. I mean, yeah. so I, I just, I, that's what I think is cool about this one is that it's, it's the best of the best. There's no way to fake getting to this amount of points in the NBA. I will say, I still go back to Kareem Stills, the most indefensible player ever. I think that's probably accurate. I mean, it's him, then Shaq or vice versa, right? Right. Well, and, and Wilt, just because of Wilt's ear and just he was just a mammoth sized guy. You, the sky hook, it's, it's impossible to emulate. I still love Magic doing it in one playoff game. It's one of the more iconic shots, him shooting the hook. But literally, you could not defend him. You know, everyone talks about that and it's like, oh, why, why have people gone away from it? Why doesn't anyone else use it when it was indefensible? I mean, it, how different is it from just a baby hook or the midline hook that everyone uses now, but seem to be in more control of, you know, yeah, I, I just that, don't think there's the a huge difference. If, if you, if you ever tried to shoot the sky hook, just messing around. Yeah. It's, it's hard. It's right. damn hard. And he says, he says it wasn't that hard, but he was also, you know, seven foot or whatever. So I mean, it's yeah, a he, little bit different. No, I mean, honestly, even at my size, I love the jump hook. I think it's very useful even for, for just about any size player. And I, I, I teach it a lot. I think it's a, a great move for anybody in the post to have. And that that's very doable. The sky hook though, to do it's really hard because he would do it from like 15 feet out on the baseline. Yeah. And you're like, what are we doing? My guy, that doesn't even look normal. I'm going to go out on a limb and say with all the focus on analytics and points per possession, all those types of things over the last two decades, they've probably figured out that it wasn't that efficient of a shot for me. Yeah. Yeah. I guess, except for him, it was efficient for him. He's the unicorn of that, of that shot. While we're on the NBA skinny, what about the big trade in the NBA Wednesday with Kevin Durant getting dealt to the Suns? Do you do you care at all? I I, I don't. I, I that I, I do and I don't. I mean, um, it, it, I just that, that the implosion of the Nets is just fascinating to me, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, his his attempt at building his own super team in Brooklyn, which is why he left Golden State because yes. he wanted to prove he can be LeBron, he can be a GM and put together his own super group. That was an absolute disaster, and he he does not have that personality. It's not his skill set. He is a great scorer in the NBA who can defend on occasion when he wants to. And aside from that, do not count on that guy for anything. Well, let's say he's a Kyrie, baby. I don't. I don't. Kyrie's a bigger baby. To be oh quite no. Frank. 
he's insane. I mean, that, you've, insane. Got two, you've got the blind leading the blind there in, in Brooklyn, and now they're left with nothing. I think I saw this stat, though. It's crazy, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. I think Kyrie, Durant, and um, and James Harden played, I believe, 16 games together and went 13-3. and three. And it just it goes back to, can you imagine? Yeah, true. Uh, Skinny, what did you think of the Oklahoma high school game that ended with a final score of four to two? <laughs> I didn't see that score. Is that because of inept play or because of people holding the basketball? No, it's because of coaches doing what coaches do in high school basketball, thinking they are John Wooden's gift. And, uh, you know, uh, one team wanted to pack it in defensively, so the other team just passed it at the top of the key for the entire game. And uh, you get a final score of four to two. These coaches should be thrown in jail, <laughs> along with the GCL coaches in Cincinnati playing these games in the 20s go to jail you are ruining these kids high school career and and like these kids in the gcl some of them are going to high major colleges and you're scoring 20 points in a game with them so so my former radio partner tom gamble for those that may not know he is the commissioner of the gcl south and so he called me saturday morning and i said hey dude i'm just trying to figure out when is the second half of the sal bowler game and he just started laughing because it was for those that don't know sal beat Moeller 27 26 the other night um and i know you were probably gnashing your teeth when you saw that score well of course uh, everyone tweets it at me because they of course know exactly course. what i'm gonna say of course um but yeah the four to two is a little much for me yeah also so it's like 28 24 or whatever the score of the gcl game was 27 26 four or two is absolutely insane and and honest to god i like I would go as far to say as the GCL coaches should be thrown in jail. The coaches from the four to two game should be shot, publicly executed. Yeah, I just don't know what, what purpose. I mean, if one team was maybe completely undermanned, but I don't know what the purpose of that. Was. But then the other team would have just came out and taken the ball from them. Right. So that's not the yeah. case. It, yeah, it, it exactly. sounded like it was a rivalry game. I mean, it's just why are you doing this? People that show up, you're wasting everybody's time. So what? You can I, I will say your chest though, out and act like you're John Wooden. If you had to cover that game as a journalist or a broadcaster, the good part is it's probably over in 50 minutes of real time. I guess that's true, but then you've got to figure out what you fill all your space with and get all the quotes from everybody who's pissed off afterwards and then follow up on it during the week because the administrators will have to apologize for it and all types of stuff. So it's the world we live in now. Skinny, are you a pro Super Bowl party guy or leave me alone to watch the game guy? Um, For a game of of like this where I have no real root. I'm I'm good either way. Um, We're I think we're going to to some people's house on Sunday, I think to, to watch. I, I'm okay. I'm okay with it. I, cause as long as it's people that um, don't say stupid stuff during the game, I'm, I'm good with that. And <laughs> I, I, those are the people that I just, when they just say stupid things of why are they wearing those socks like that? I don't know. And I don't care. It has nothing to do with the game. I, I mean, skinny, I'm going to guess your tolerance for people saying stupid things is probably like not, not exactly high. It's not high, but I, yeah. I, I, I don't try to snap back at them to, to I, 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 it just, it grinds my gears is what it does usually. Fair. Yeah. I'm the same way. I don't, I don't really care. I can do the Super Bowl party thing or I can, I watch it at home in a room completely by myself and, and read Twitter and I'll, I'll be fine with that too. So yeah, as long I, as Twitter doesn't go away, there's rumors every day that Twitter's going to implode because of Elon Musk. So who knows? It might. All right, skinny. Let's wrap it up with this. Uh, we got a question from someone who said, has skinny heard of Oscars premonition? The announcers brought up during the Kentucky Florida game the other night. And uh, if, if you didn't see, it was it was Tom Hart who came out of a timeout and told this story about how last March, Oscar Shibway, Kentucky Center, had a premonition where God spoke to him and told him there was going to be a tragedy with his team. He initially refused to even get on the plane to Indy and offered to, to take a bus instead. And then once they calmed him down and made him realize they were OK from a traveling perspective, he then realized that the message God was giving him wasn't about travel, but was actually about a tragedy on the basketball court and that he was going to be the only survivor. Lo and behold, they lose to St. Peter's in that game. He goes for like 30 and 19 or whatever it was. But Skinny, was the, I mean, this is one of the wildest things I think I've ever heard in the middle of a college basketball game and acted like, I mean, Tom Hart was like, oh, isn't that great? And he's back here playing again this year. It's like, what? You can't just tell that story and act like it was a normal thing. Like Oscar Shibway, no offense. I don't get into people's religious beliefs very much, but he might need a straitjacket. This um, is a crazy thing to do. Well, but I mean, if if he actually thought it at the time, was didn't want to get on the, 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 he obviously believed it. And I think for a lot of Kentucky fans, it was a tragedy on the court. I could argue he is the only survivor. Keon Brooks is gone. Um, 
everybody else other than Severe Wheeler's gone. Severe Wheeler's been cat dung this year. And I don't know if Oscar completely survived it because he's been cat dung this year too. So did he survive it? I guess he did. Yeah, I don't know. I, guess, I mean, this I guess is he survived it enough to get NIL money. So yeah, I guess he did survive it. But I have a premonition that Calipari quits. Can I have that premonition? Oh, I think a lot of UK fans would appreciate it if you did. But the crazy thing. Wait a is- minute. I got a premonition of this. Calipari just ate another donut. He is starting Probably to accurate. grow a little bit of a boiler there on the sidelines. I have noticed the stress seems to be getting to him. He's stress yes, eating, which I've done. I can relate to. <laughs> but Skinny, imagine being on that team last year. You're trying to lock in. You're getting yep. ready to, to travel to play a first round. Yeah, it's St. Peter's. We should be good. Let's get locked in. And meanwhile, your best player is telling <laughs> you all you're going to lose because of a premonition where God spoke to him and said there was going to be a tragedy. Well, that seems like it would create a little bit of uneasiness in the locker room. Yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe that's why St. Peter's kept blowing by them is they, they were all, they were all freaked out. Yeah. I mean, what, what's God say about defending ball screens, Oscar? <laughs> exactly. That's what Can I you get a about. premonition on that. Yeah. Premonition that Cal will play zone. Cal will get his head out of his butt. I mean, I've worked in a newsroom for the last five years. I'm, I'm recovering now. I just finally got out of that. And I can't tell you the amount of stories I wrote about crazy mothers who got premonitions from God and then did terrible things like yeah, to their kids, their kids or whatever and got arrested. Yeah. yeah. Th- that's like what this is to me. So <laughs> just show, he's crazy. He's crazy. He, he might, might well be, but um, maybe his premonition really was correct. It was, it was, it was very tragic for Kentucky fans. You know that Rick. This is true. This is true. All right. Uh, Skinny, that's all I got. Great stuff. Uh, everybody enjoy the Super Bowl. We'll be back next week when the Reds pitchers and catchers report. Can't wait to talk about some of that. Should be a riveting spring training up ahead leading into another riveting red season, but we'll talk about that and much, much more on next week's podcast. For Rick Roy, I'm Richard Skinner. It's been the Skinny Podcast, the weekly Pope re-edition, presented by Ryan Kiefer of First Community Morning.